Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by our host and star of the show, the Hall of Famer, America's most beloved sports writer, Kevin Kernan. This is episode 430 on our network. Before we bring Kevin on and our special guest today, just want to thank our group, our audience, closing in on 65,000 subscribers, 200 shy today. We appreciate your support. want to thank Jaw Bats, the latest bat to be certified by Major League Baseball. Go to Jaw Bats, use RVG at checkout. It'll get you a discount not only on their finely made Maplewood bats, but any apparel that they have. Tanner's using his right now, the M110 model, both as a lefty and righty. Loves it. Jeff Fry used his down in fantasy camp for the Red Sox, double in his first at-bat, so they work. Also, thank you to Sports Podcast Group and the Webbies for nominating us for Baseball Podcast of the Year. We appreciate that as well. And to our newest marketing partner, we just kicked off that officially on Monday this week, Millions. We appreciate uh, the partnership that we've developed with you. I think we're going to be a powerful network as we join together. With that, Kevin, welcome back to your show and uh, some great articles this week. And, and in fact, today's guest is a product of one of the articles that you wrote a couple weeks back. But uh, fill us in on what's going on in uh, the, the Ball Nine world. Yeah, I, Wednesdays and Sundays, ball9.com, uh, easy to get to. You got to really read it because it's not like anything else you're seeing out there now. I mean, I made this comment this week and it, and uh, I'd like to know when sports journalism just became retweeting, retweeting something that's on X or, or, or quoting something on X. And half the time it's an anonymous quote. I mean, there are so many stories. Now you go to any newspaper's website or any of these websites and it's just a string of things that were on X. Nobody's doing reporting. You know, what happened to reporting? It's gone. And, uh, you know, it's 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 really bad. It's sad. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know how you become, a, you know, when did sports journalism become just copying things off X? So I'm still out there beating the bushes, so to speak. Uh, I tracked down uh, Dave Bristol this week. And, yeah. it you know, I'm not just saying it, but people who've read it said it was one of the best things I've ever read. Uh, Dave is 90 years old manager of the Reds before, right before the big red machine came in. Um, Sparky followed him. Actually, he, you know, and Dave is still sharp as anything, still plays golf. He goes to Young Harris College a lot to watch them play. That's over in uh, North Georgia. Carolina. And uh, he lives in the mountains up there, same hometown. And and it's really a great story because um, he also managed Milwaukee, Boston, I mean, uh, uh, Braves, uh, San Francisco, was a coach with the Phillies in 83 and a couple of years, coach with the Expos with Gene Mock. Um, the history of the game that he, he touches that. He's telling me stories about guys who are connected to Connie Mack. That's how, you know, it's the old, it's the old amazing uh, story. But uh, it was great to talk to Dave, just a wealth of information and, um, you know, I asked him, I, you know, because, you know, when he in seven in um, 69, he was the youngest manager in baseball when he got the job in, at uh, 33 years old in 66. He was managing since he was like 23. He knew his career was going to not be as a player, but as a manager. And so he he came up through the minors with the Tony Perez guys. He was their manager, Pete Rose, guys like that. So he took over the team in 66. They were not a great team. They got better and better each year. By 69, they were in the race up until like the last four days or something. And back then, it was a real race. It wasn't like 12 teams, you know. Um, so um, 
So he's thinking he's going to be manager. And I asked him, I said, well, how did that firing happen? He goes, well, very quickly. <laughs> you know, he said the, it was funny because he, he called the traveling secretary to get his World Series tickets because he was going to go to the 69 World Series, which was a pretty good one. And uh, with the Mets, of course. And and uh, and the traveling secretary picks up the phone and Dave was back home and he said, hey, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let's go. I'm get, I wonder, if, you know, what's the plans? And the, the traveling secretary goes, Housen didn't call you? And once you hear that, you know, you're in trouble. Housen was a GM. And, um, and so they put Housen on the phone and basically told him they were going in a different direction. But uh, one last thing on that story. Um, it's just so good because uh, it's such a great quote. And actually, Clint Hurdle told me that he's actually used this quote. And he didn't know actually where it originally came from. But uh, he, you know, Dave is old school. So he, if his team was sucking... He wanted to, you know, he'd make sure they work on things. So one day he announced to his team after a particularly bad game, he announced to his team, uh, you know, and there's always two buses that leave for the ballpark just to let everybody know. So he said, there will be two buses leaving the hotel for the park tomorrow. The two o'clock bus will be for those of you who need extra work. The empty bus will leave at five o'clock. So, you know, that was a great line from George Kirby, the traveling secretary of the Expos. And that's where you heard it. And he stole it. And it's been it's a line that's often used in baseball. So that's that. Now, I, I usually write a comment after your articles. I, I read them right. more than once and I couldn't. And it wasn't a cop out. I just my comment was I have no words for this. This one that'll do it justice. Just read it. Um, exactly. That was a wonderful article. And Jim Cott just posted on it. Our our resident Hall of Famer also that uh, runs Cott's Corner on our, our network. He wrote, uh, he's, he's an old school and traditional baseball teacher that helped a lot of players reach their potential. Sadly, there's nobody like him around anymore. So. No, no, it, it is sad. And uh, actually, he's reading Jimmy's book right now, Good as Gold. So we'll, we have to get Jimmy to get, I'll give you Dave's number. And Jimmy, I'll have to surprise him with a call one day. I'm, I'm sure Dave would love that. And um you know, that's part of the, uh, that's kind of what we do here too. We try to keep people connected. Yeah. No, it's great, great story. I look forward to the ones this week as well, um, especially the one that's coming out today. I know you mentioned, I won't give away what it's about, but our, our guest could appear in it. And I'll, I'll get to our guest right now. Uh, drafted 2004 by the Oakland A's, played with the A's from 04 to 07. Went to the Yankees in 08, the Astros in 09, and then made a, a a reappearance in the camp for the Camden River Sharks in 2014, Independent League. Invited down to spring training, which I love this story. I hope you tell it on, on the show today. In 2018, to pitch against the Japanese national team and had a great showing down there. When you go back even further, so we're dealing with a, a tremendous pro athlete, valedictorian of his high school, number one student athlete uh, in terms of GPA at Fordham. And this was all before he got drafted. And now at the age of 42, maybe at his peak physical condition and is about ready to make a comeback. And we're fortunate that, that Kevin told this story on ball nine. It got picked up by a couple other outlets and now it's manifested itself into a couple tryouts uh, that are, that are looming here. But with that, I want to introduce Rob Semerano. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me guys. We're, uh, we're, we're very, very excited to have you today. Your story, uh, as I, I wrote a little little blurb on Facebook I do every morning as an answer to a question, and I think this exemplifies you. And then I'll kind of uh, pass to Kevin to, to, to start asking some questions. But you exhibit, and I mean this as a compliment, uh, ex exhibit a, a 
pathological self-confidence combined with a humility um, that I, I picked up the first time we talked on the phone. And to me, that tells me that our mindset should be right now, not are you going to make it back, but how is this relationship going to work when you successfully sign your next contract in professional baseball? I think that's where our mindset should be. So um, hopefully you took that as a compliment, but uh, yeah, absolutely. And the answer, how about that question? Could you, could you answer that? How is the relationship going to work? And that means I'm assuming you're going to get signed. Um, How is that going to work? How's a successful relationship going to work between you and a major league club? What's that going to look like? What's success? I think, I think every major league club loves a competitor and someone that works hard and someone that's a a team player. And I, I believe I, you know, possess all those traits. Um, I love competing. I hate losing. Um, I, you know, with owning a baseball academy, I've become very accustomed to training younger players and helping them out as much as I can. And I, I truly believe that, you know, God had me experience a lot of uh, hardships during my career, just so I could have the experience of overcoming them and persevering through them so that I could share that wisdom with, with my players. And, you know, if I were to be with a major league team again, you know, I think it's pretty likely that every one of my teammates and perhaps even some of my coaches will be younger than I am. So um, if I could, if there's anything I could do to, uh, you know, that I could share with them as far as uh, pitfalls, as far as successes, uh, whatever, I'd be happy to do that. Anything, anything to uh, help the organization and help, help the team win. And I think, um, you know, I'm a baseball guy, they're baseball guys. So even though there may be a little bit of an age gap that um, I think kind of supersedes generations and, and um, will make for a nice, a, a really nice relationship. What will these teams see? I know we mentioned in the preamble that you have a, a couple of workouts, looming uh, tryouts. Can we mention the teams, the two teams, or would you rather keep those um, I, th- I think I'll uh, keep that to myself for right yeah. now. <laughs> so we have two, two major league clubs that are interested in a potential scout day, which would mean lots of major league clubs. What are they going to see when they come and, and watch you perform? Well, I, I think first they're going to see, um, you know, initially before they even see me throw a ball, I think they're going to see um, someone that that has that passes the eye test of a professional athlete. I've, I've kept myself in very good shape. I'm actually even in better shape now than I was when I played professionally. Um, and, um, you know, the ball, the ball jumps out of my hand. I, I've got a nice smooth um, delivery, fast arm action. Um, I have a good slider. My pitch repertoire is four seam fastball, two seam fastball and slider. Uh, my command has always been good. And, um, and I think, I think they'll also be able to read that there, there's, there's going to be, there's a fire in me that has been burning probably a lot longer than other guys. You know, it's, it's one thing when you have that fire burning in you at 18 years old or 22 years old. Um, it's another thing when it's been burning in you for the past 15 years to want to be back with a major league organization. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's roaring pretty good right now. And, and seeing that I have a shot to do that again, I'm uh, extremely motivated. And I think, I think they'll be able to probably read that in my body language and in my eyes. Well, I would I would say so. Get Kevin, go ahead. Yeah, Rob. First of all, uh, great job doing all the work you did. Let's let's start. Um, you know, when I wrote this article, I think it was in December, so it's been a while. And uh, you know, I'm glad teams are picking up on it. And uh, it should have been. Would you look at the money they're spending? And I'll say this: I don't want you to say this, but uh, 
every time I, every day you you look, uh, you know, some some half-assed reliever is getting signed for ten million dollars or something, and um, you know it, it's just crazy what's going on pitching wise uh, in baseball. So certainly. Um, if you can stay healthy, I think uh, it'll be a great story. It'll happen. And when I wrote the article, originally I called it The Rookie 2, off the movie The Rookie. And uh, you're actually, I think, six years older than Jim Morris was when he signed out of, out of the blue and then eventually pick, uh, pitched for the Rays. So I think there's a lot of comparisons there, but your story is even more unique. Tell us how you went from basically, um, uh, you know, throwing 81, maybe up to the nineties and then, you know, you, you hit a hundred now. So uh, tell us, tell us the story behind the story. So, yeah, I mean, going back to 2009, my, uh, I had a real good shot that year to get to the big leagues with the Astros. Um, That's what they had told me. They said, you know, we think you could be one of our guys this year. And, um, you know, some, somewhere along the line, I started to uh, experience some discomfort and I noticed my velocity was dropping and um, ultimately that year, I ended up having to get Tommy John surgery. Uh, and that was I, your second Tommy John, right? That was my second Tommy John. That didn't happen until September of 09. So because of that, my surgeon, Dr. David Allcheck at uh, HSS, had told me, he said, don't even think about playing in 2010 because by the time, you know, the full year ends, the season's going to be over. So he said, your sights should be set on 2011. So I basically, you know, got that into my headspace that, okay, I'm getting ready for 2011. 2011 was also the year that I turned 30 years old, which is, you know, um, a, a big number for baseball in terms of, of, of age. And, um, when I came back, my velocity was like 90, 91 and, um, just, you know, took a little bit to, to get it up. And then by 2013, I believe it was, I got it up to 96 and then, um, you know, just, it just kept finding new ways to generate more velocity. And then I started to, I developed my own weighted ball program, um, got with some, some good trainers and, and, um, you know, learned how to train my body to basically become as efficient as possible with my training sessions that, you know, I was always a hard worker, sometimes maybe to a fault and would, would maybe do too much, and started to learn that if you kind of trim the fat with some of the exercises that really aren't offering that much reward and maybe a little bit too much risk, um, I found that my body was staying fresher and and recovering better and, and actually getting stronger. And then, uh, you know, fast forward to 2018, the Yankees invited me down to throw in a couple exhibition games against the Japanese national team, threw the ball really well in both outings. Um, the manager from Japanese team came over to our coach and said, what did you bring a guy down from big league camp to throw against us? And, uh, you know, I was, I was with a bunch of kids. I mean, the team that I was with, they were, the kids were 19 to 24 years old. So, um, it was a funny story. Actually, when I landed at the airport, they had a car service come pick me up and, um, the lady that was driving me there, I told her, I said, I'm, I'm here with the Yankees. And she goes, yep. She goes, I, I was told to come get you. And she uh, she called in to whoever she was talking to. She goes, yep. She goes, I'm at the airport right now picking up one of the coaches. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I went out there. I threw the ball really well. Um, got up to, I think, believe I was like 93, 94, touched 96. This was like in mid-February. 
So uh, the team, you know, they said, you boy, you're throwing better than a lot of our big leaguers are right now. So I'm thinking, okay, let's, let's make something happen then. But at the time I was, you know, 2018, I was about to turn 37 that July. And uh, that seemed to be the sticking point. And unfortunately I can, I can work on velocity. I can work on command. I can work on movement sharpness. One thing I cannot do is reverse time to make myself younger. So uh, I can keep my body younger and stronger than it used to be. But in terms of the age that's that's written on the paper, that's that's not going to change. It's only going to keep getting higher. And that seemed to be, uh, you know, a tough hurdle to overcome. But um, my mindset was always I never I never got uh, bitter about it. I never um, never even really questioned it. What, what, what my question more was was, okay, there's got to be a number, though. There's got to be something that will make one of these major league organizations throw age out the window. And that's where I kept my focus. And, and you know, after, after that 2018 um, experience with the Yankees, I basically said, you know, I'm going to put the, the desire to get signed by a major league team kind of out the window right now and just focus on just focus on getting myself to be able to pit, throw the ball as hard as I can and, you know, just keep sharpening my stuff. And, and, and if I hit the, the benchmarks and goals that I want to hit, I'm going to be happy with that. And I'm not going to be burdened or uh, stressed out by wondering if a team's going to be interested. So this whole thing in the last year or so has kind of come about organically because I really hadn't thought about it much anymore. At the same time though, you know, I'm not going to lie that every time spring training came around, there was a part of me that got my stomach jumping, excited about competing again. I would picture myself out of the mound facing these big leaguers. So the, the dream was definitely still there. But um, I tried to keep my focus on what I could control. And and the uh, and and, that, and that's the key. You know, is you hear it all the time from athletes, but only the stuff in your in your area can you control. And I find it funny too because you know. Uh, you were part of, I think, the 2004 draft class, right? Um, Correct. And a guy named Justin Verlander was in that draft. Yeah. Number, you know, no, uh, basically number two. Padres blew it, and um, um, not surprising with what was going on with the Padres through the years. So Justin Verlander can come back from Tommy John, and and you're, you know, from that draft class, but but they didn't open the door for you. But you kept at it, uh, and you you met a guy named uh, Professor Don Mueller. Tell us about that story. And we're talking to Rob Samarano, who's a 42-year-old pitcher who is about to write a pretty amazing baseball story. So tell us about Professor Mueller. So really, it starts with the fact that my dad had to get a double knee replacement revision. And because of that, he... Let me interrupt, too. Your dad played yes. professional baseball and was a pitcher. He was. He played with the Pirates back in the mid to late 70s, uh, played with a bunch of the guys from the We Are Family Pirates. Um, and to be honest with you, you know, a lot of my, you know, early upbringing as a baseball player was was basically a result of those years my dad played with the Pirates and a lot of the a lot of the values they had and a lot of the values that he you know learned from Willie Stargell in terms of being a leader and um you know, I think uh, he, he passed that on to me. And, and I, I always loved hearing those old stories about how they played the game back then. And, and I still find myself watching, uh, you know, old baseball from the, the 60s, 70s, 80s. I, I love it. I really do. I, I think it's 
it's it's really incredible the uh the passion that they played with and uh but um yeah so my, my dad had had a double knee replacement revision and um the physical therapist he was working with was just kind of asking him about you know what he does for a living and he told him about our baseball academy and the fact that i still throw and this physical therapist said to him boy you know your son might enjoy if i introduced him to a guy named Don Mueller. He goes, he's a physicist who is applying the laws of physics to the pitching motion. So, uh, you know, long story short, he put me in touch with him. I got a call from him and, um, I could tell right off the bat, he was very intelligent, really knew his stuff. Um, did not deliver it to me in the most uh, understandable way originally, but I, I knew that there was something there. And I knew that maybe the fact that he was so intelligent and maybe uh would go off on tangents sometimes where i had to kind of reel him in to slow him down and say hey let's go back to this i I need to get an understanding of this that's a good description because you know he refers to himself as the nutty professor and he is a little bit nutty yeah and and i think and i love people like that because i feel like the reason why maybe other people haven't listened to his ideas is because they couldn't get past that or they just kind of you know just wrote him off as as just nutty, but not, you know, ignoring the professor part. And, um, and I said, you know, I, I got something I could learn here. I said, even if it's a, you know, 1% increase, it, it's something I could learn. And, uh, yeah, we just, we've had a lot of great discussions about how to apply the laws of physics to your pitching delivery. And, um, you know, as a result, it definitely, it definitely did, did help, um, to be totally transparent. It's, it's not, the only reason I've gained velocity, but he did play a big role. And, and as I've, uh, as I've said before, I think, I think the biggest role was the first time he saw me throw, he couldn't believe how the ball jumped out of my hand and how my arm worked at, at that time, 41 years old. And he said to me, he goes, you know, I, I think you could still play. He goes, the way the ball jumps out of your hand, he goes, and I think if you start applying some of these things that we're working on and, um, you know, when he saw the improvements I was making and, and just my training and, 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 and everything, he started making phone calls to news outlets, to teams, to agents. And, um, you know, so I, I really owe him a big thanks in terms of the confidence that he had in me to, to put his neck out there and, uh, you know, try to try to get my name out there. Because it's, it's, it's one thing if you're calling a team about yourself, but I'm yes. sure, you know, teams teams get that a lot from different people, but it's another thing when somebody else is speaking on your behalf that, Hey, I've seen this and I I'm willing to put my neck out there for this person. I think that, you know, that says a lot. Well, that's, that's why you have agents and things like that in this day and age. And, uh, you know, some of the agents are very, you know, um, if they say something to a team, they'll listen. But what I found interesting too, was the, the whole Steve Dalkowski connection with uh, the professor because he studied Dalkowski mm-hmm. and I've met Dalkowski um, uh, a few years. He passed a few years ago, but I met him, I think around 2017 or so and did a story on him. And, um, you know, he, Steve Dalkowski for our listeners who don't know, uh, he, he threw the hardest of anyone, you know, ever. And uh, he was all over the place though. And one of the things when I showed your video to some different scouting people, including uh, scouting directors, uh, scouting director too, uh, they they all came back with the same comments that it was a smooth delivery. Um, it wasn't herky jerky. 
It wasn't like one of these, uh, and I'm not going to mention the company, but one of these videos you see all the time on the internet with a guy pounding his chest, running up, throwing the ball to the radar gun, uh, falling all over the place, and then being happy because he hit like, uh, you know, 100, you know, or he hit 80, 85, or he hit 90, whatever it might be. Um, you you have a smooth delivery. And one of the things that, um, and I don't even know if you use, utilize this, but the professor talked about the neutral wrist. Um, did he explain that to you? I'm sure he explained it to you, but did, did that have anything to do with anything with you, with your uh, improvements? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was something that you always kind of heard of as a ball player that, you know, you, you don't want to choke the ball too much. You don't want to have tension. Um, but the way he, he explained it and the way he gave me a mental cue to explain how to use the third class lever of your um, – you know, your upper arm, the humerus to, to snap that, that neutral wrist, like a whip. Um, that was, is what really resonated. It kind of took it to the different level because it, you know, it's one thing to just tell, it's, it's like when you hear coaches, you know, scream out to a pitcher, relax. I mean, if, if it was that easy, the pitcher probably would have, you know, it's relaxed a lot, a lot sooner than that, but it's throw strikes, relax. Yeah, and throw strikes. That's another great one that, you know, I think a lot of pitchers don't realize that, that they, they need to throw strikes, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it was something like, okay, this is why you need the neutral wrist. This is why, you know, you, instead of using a first class lever, you're using a third class lever, which is much more powerful. And, um, you know, you're generating force from your lat muscle, which is your biggest, strongest, uh, upper body muscle. And, and, Again, you're not using your elbow as a crank. You're using your elbow as a whip. And a whip, as we know, can can go on and on and on and on over and over and over again and, and pretty much never get tired. Where a crank, you know, the more you, you keep using it, it gets worn down. And, um, and I really think that's been the, you know, I, I don't know that it's a... Um, it's not as though it was something that, okay, I did that and all of a sudden the ball started exploding out of my hand more. But because it exploded out of my arm with more ease. It, it allowed me to have more bullets in the tank to number one, practice my craft so that I could, you know, keep practicing the throwing motion over and over again without getting sore or tired. And it also, you know, there's, there's a buildup to throwing the ball hard. And I think some guys, because they use their bodies incorrectly, they actually start fatiguing before they get to that peak. Yes. And, uh, I, this this has allowed me to to at least with the arm part um, just be able to keep that loose and my my arm you know thank God has feels has always felt good I think if anything um, you know the part of my body that gets gets sore or tired and that I'm you know working on is my my lower half just keeping my legs strong to to be able to withstand all the forces of the of the pitching motion but. Um, you know, as we know, you much rather have your your leg sore than than an elbow joint or a, a rotator cuff muscle sore. Yeah, and you lived it. And before I throw it back to Dave, because I'm sure he's he's chomping at the bit here, because he, you know, being a coach, he wants you know for his his kids and everything else. He, I'm sure he's got questions. But the thing I love too is that you you know this is kind of like a small market uh, uh, development here because you uh, you have a little bullpen in your backyard, I guess, a semi bullpen. Yeah. Tell tell us about that. Yeah, so in 2020, um, during COVID, the obviously all the indoor baseball academies were shut down. Um, even the Little League field that we, we use, uh, Southwall Little League, for our, 
our teams. That's practice. New Jersey, by the way, not here in Florida. We live our lives in Florida, thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, we're I'm at the Jersey Shore here in Ocean County, Monmouth County area. Um, so yeah, we couldn't we couldn't uh, really go anywhere, and I I still wanted to throw, and it, you know at first it was such a that it was so alarming. It was like they didn't want you going anywhere. So um, yeah, it was a joke. I had some I had some space in my my lower land of my property where there was a bunch of brush. And uh, dad and I went down there and just started clearing out the brush. And uh, we said, we got, we got about 70 feet here. That's enough for a mound and, uh, you know, a backstop and a little room for the coach to be able to look at me. And um, my dad and I have a, uh, a mound invention, actually, the Semarano mound that um, we put one of those Semarano mound frames in and put our, put our mound, you know, inside of that and, built Semi's bullpen and it was a place that I used for my own throwing and, and you know, even had uh, other players come over and use. That's pretty cool. And the, uh, so, so you built your own mound. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we've had a, a an invention. It's totally patented and it's basically a playable mound frame with a, um, a tartan top to it that you can put right in the mound, which helps keep the perfect plateau and slope of the mound. And the idea, the idea behind it is that it's um, it standardizes pitching mounds. You know, you go to a basketball court, you don't play on one court where the hoop is 11 feet, and then another court the hoop's eight and a half feet, another one's 10 feet. They're all the same size hoop. The the three point lines are the same distance. The foul line is the same distance. But baseball, you go to one mound and it's 16 inches high. Another one's you know flat. Another one's got a huge hole in front of it. And you know we we train kids at our academy all winter long on these perfect indoor mounds that have the perfect um, perfect uh, plateau and slope. And then they go out and play on some of these crummy unkept mounds and um, wonder why they can't command the ball or wonder why their arms hurting. And it, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for us, we're trying to standardize it we're, to get every single mound in the country or even in the world to have one of these frames um, to, to make sure that uh, the mound is standardized. And, you know, recently this past summer, we were invited down to Texas by um, Nolan Ryan's company, RS3. They wanted us to put one of these frames in at St. Edwards University and we put it in and they just basically wanted to see a proof of concept. And uh, recently we were uh, endorsed by Nolan Ryan's company, RS3. So uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Go ahead, Dave. I was going to say that there's stories uh, upon stories within this uh, particular interview. I love it. Hey, now, Rob, with I got uh, two two questions. They kind of go in different directions. Want to piggyback off of uh, Doctor Mueller uh, with your relationship with him? How much of it was him showing you new stuff, and how much of it was reminding you of stuff or articulating stuff that you're already doing? And was it uh, physical and psychological the relationship? that belief in you? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think mostly the diving deeper into what I already knew and, and bringing, um, but I, I love it when you, there's, when there's proof of something, you know, I enjoy, I always liked it when I would, uh, I, I have a very mathematical mind. I always loved it when I could do a math, you know, problem or equation, you know, backward and forward, inside and out. So basically I could figure it out that, okay, this, this makes sense in every direction. So this has to be right. And I think when he applied some of the physics, 
and told me about how these different things work, it made sense that, okay, that's why you want to do it. And you start to become a little more hyper-focused on doing that because as you know, the pitching delivery, you know, it only lasts about 1.5 seconds and um, there's only so much you can think about. So you have to kind of, if you're going to get, you know, focus in on something with the delivery, let's focus on the, it's always a matter of what's the, what's the most key thing for me to focus on because I can't think about everything. And uh, I think by learning some of the physics and, and understanding about um, inertia and uh, greater moments of inertia to, to smaller moments of inertia, uh, potential energy, kinetic energy, it really kind of it made me understood, you know what, that's why, that's why I felt stronger when I did it like this or did it like that. And uh, I think that was a huge thing. And then from the mental side, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. My confidence has never been an issue for me. I've always been confident that I could pitch at the major league level and, uh, you know, could, could even could go back and do it. If anything, my confidence has increased. So him believing in me didn't really increase my confidence psychologically as much as it was just, um, you know, it, it was relieving to me really to, to see somebody that's, that also saw what I knew that I could do that was willing to put his neck out there and, and contact people that, that that's, you know, I think from a psychological standpoint was very helpful. And, uh, you know, from an intellectual standpoint, he certainly challenged my brain, not only with teaching me the different things, but also being able to understand what the heck he was talking about sometimes. Cause like, like I said, he's, he, uh, He's a, a pretty nutty professor. Yeah. Well, he, uh, it sounds like he communicated with you well, but the key, and, and, and I want to get your thoughts on, on this is it sounds like he more than communicate, he connected with you. He saw, yeah. you, you saw yourself and how do you, how do you apply that? Now you have an academy of hundreds of kids, uh, that you work with and that you're impacting daily. Mm -hmm. You also have two generations of families, your father, who was a player and, and your sons now that are watching this you know, front row seats for this, this story. How do you use that connection that, that you recognize the, the doctor feeling in you when you're impacting dad, your children, and then these, these kids that, that you're working with day to day? Well, I mean, one thing that dad and I always say to these kids, whether it's, you know, my own kids or players on my little league team or players from my academy is we always say, we're never going to be the one that tells you you can't. And because we don't know, we don't know what you've got inside of you. You know, we've, there's been so many stories of guys, um, you know, Phil Rizzuto being, being laughed at by Casey Stangle and told to go get a shoe shine kit and, uh, you know, forget it. You're never going to play major league baseball. And the guy's a hall of famer. Now, you know, there's just so many stories like this where you hear of guys being told they can't. And we said, we're never going to be that person. Um, but we're also not going to sugarcoat it for you and tell you that, yeah, you're definitely going to do this or that. We're going to tell you that, okay, here's where you are. Here's where you need to go. And this is what you need to do to get there. Now it's up to you to do that. And, um, you know, I think a lot of players take that as, and they, and they feed off of that confidence. And I think a lot of times, you know, kids do gain a lot of confidence for the fact that we sometimes believe in them more than they do. And sometimes more than their parents do. And, um, you know, I, I, I've got some, some numbers from my past that I remember that I hit 
And now, and I was very undersized as a kid. So I was always very talented and had good skills, but, but I was undersized. So because of that, my velocity numbers weren't always eye popping for my age. So I can share with them the fact that at, at 15 years old, I topped out at 69 miles an hour and you see some 15 year olds throwing 76 and it's like, wow, I'm throwing harder than coach Rob did. But then I also tell them, okay, that was, you know, I was throwing 69 in 1996. Fast forward to 2006, 10 years later, I topped out at 99. And, you know, the difference was not that I went through, an, you know, a, an incredible growth spurt. Yeah, I did grow and I, I did work my butt off in the gym and get stronger, but it was really the whole package of you got to put the work in on your biomechanics. You've got to train in the gym. You got to eat right, sleep right, you know, all of it. And, um, and if the kid's willing to do that, as I always say to them, if, if you have a goal and that goal pulls you toward getting to the highest possible level you could ever get to, that's success. At the end of the day, all you can do is the best you can do. And all you can achieve is what your body is capable of. So why not have a high goal that pulls you in that direction? I think that's a great message. You know, your, your children, your, your, your boys have a front row seat for this. What are they saying about this as they, as they watch dad go through, um, you know, obviously the, the ups and downs, the, and, but continuing to work no matter what and continue to push forward. What, what are they saying about this? I mean, they, they really think it's cool. They think it's fun. Um, especially when they have kids come up to them and uh, maybe, you know, show them a newspaper article that they, that they see me in or that they saw my piece on, on CBS or they, you know, the, the recent one, the Asbury park or Kevin's um, article on, on ball nine, they, they think, they think that part of it is cool. And, um, and they have, they've, they've seen me go through a lot. They've seen me, you know, endure, endure a lot of things. And then that was part of what I wanted to be able to show them as a dad, that there's going to be some tough moments in life and you're going to have to dig your heels in and, and persevere. I mean, I, I can remember, you know, uh, when they're little babies, bringing them in, in their car seats, carrying them inside as I went to go do a workout and they would sit there and, and, you know, in the, in the middle of a bullpen session, I'm stopping so I could go change a diaper or, uh, you know, console them if they were crying or something like that. It's, um, you know, it's definitely not, not your traditional athlete's training schedule, but I, I remember my, my little guy, Robbie, my, my oldest son, he was uh, about a year old and I was practicing my pitching delivery and he was in his playpen. And I remember him just laughing so hard as I was going through my pitching delivery. He just thought, you know, he thought it was the funniest thing for some reason. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I became a little self-conscious that he was laughing at me as I was going through my delivery, but you know, it was, it was cracking him up. So that's all that matters. That's right. yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty cool. It's been really cool that they've been, uh, They've been there through all this. They've seen the work I've put in. And, um, you know, I think I think it honestly will hit them more as they get older and they start to really understand that hard work aspect of it. I mean, they're, they're starting to get it now. But I think, you know, as you, we can all agree, it's usually a little bit later on that you really start to realize about, you know, getting in the gym and eating better and, and things of that nature. Yeah. And right now, I mean, the, the eye the eye catching thing is the fact that you can top hundred miles an hour at the age of 42, um, at, at any age, that's eye popping. 
but talk talk to your pitching philosophy because I want the audience. We have lots of we have lots of kids out there. Um, we have you know seventy four countries that listen to us, grassroots uh, all the way up to the MLB front offices. You're not a thrower. You're a pitcher. Talk talk to your pitching philosophy a little bit. Yeah, so I th- I mean I think you know it's funny because I have a program called the Semerano Power Arm Program, and I always tell people, you know saying you got a good arm is it's a little bit of a misnomer i mean it's 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 a term that's been used in baseball so everybody kind of understands that it means that you throw the ball hard but really you know the arm is just the final whip that propels the ball towards the target and um you know it's it starts with your connection to the ground with your with your drive leg and being able to um, maintain that connection with the ground as you go into your drift toward the plate to be able to know how to create an angle toward the plate. You know, the difference between pitching and throwing is, is twofold. One, one, we're throwing to a much smaller target. I mean, if you look at, you look at plays that are made at first base and how far the first baseman has to stretch, you know, that those, those would be pitches that are three feet out of the zone. So we're throwing to a much smaller target. And the fact that we're also throwing downhill, it's a different angle. And we have to be able to create that angle by, by, you know, being able to get our center of gravity to not only drive out, but also drive down or drop down to a degree and, and, and being able to use that kinetic energy of the center of gravity dropping to then transfer that into linear energy towards the target. Um, and it's about, you know, just using, using the whole body really is, I mean, it's, 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 how do I, how do I generate force in the legs? and then transfer that up through a strong, stable, powerful core, and then deliver it through a fast, whippy arm, uh, wrist, hand, and fingers. And, um, you know, as I, as I said the one time, it ultimately, at the end of the day, as fast as your middle finger is moving behind the baseball, that's how fast the ball is going to come out. And it's about how much energy can I send up to that middle finger to propel that ball as fast as possible. So, uh, yeah, there is, there is a lot that goes into it. We, um, my dad and I always tell our players, uh, the pitchers that power pitching is not easy. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would do it. It it takes a lot of hard work. Um, it takes a lot of coordination, um, but it is doable. And, 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 you know, the old, you can't teach, you can't teach somebody how to throw hard. You can the same way you could teach somebody how to run faster. Um, I do believe people are born with, you know, varying levels of, natural ability, but you can definitely enhance that by using your body better and more efficiently. And then also, you know, giving yourself a better, a bigger engine and motor to work with by getting yourself stronger and faster. So, um, yeah. And then, and then, you know, the other side of the pitching being a pitcher is having other pitches, being able to command and then knowing how to sequence those pitches, which, you know, I, I love that. I love to be able to, to read hitters swings. And that's, you know, people ask me who, who's my favorite team. A lot of times it's like, I, I really watch games now to analyze how pitchers attack hitters more than anything. And how would, how would I get this guy out? And I think, uh, you know, that's, that's fun for me. It's even more fun for me now than it was when I played pro ball. Cause I have a better understanding of it. I just I have one more question. I want to pass to Kevin. It's, it's uh, fitting that, that he kind of, close us out. Um, but, um, I was taken back by our multiple conversations and I mentioned pre-show that when you have a, uh, just a, a pathological self-confidence, I mean that in a great way, 
balance with humility. And that's rare out there. And uh, this, this question, I hope it's, hope it's fair. Um, but it is, does this signing an MLB contract, does this validate your baseball career? Um, I mean, I think it, you know, more than, more than that, I think that, um, I think that's looking at it from the personal side, which obviously I want to be able to do that. But for me, what's more important is I think that by doing this, it could be a real inspiration to others to, um, if you have something that you're truly passionate about that God has put in you to be passionate about, because I truly believe that. And, um, you know, to, to figure out what, what is it going to take for me to go accomplish this dream? Don't get discouraged. Don't get bitter. Um, just, just keep plugging away at it. And honestly, at the end of the day, if, if God's put a desire in you and put a love in you to do something, I, I don't regret one minute of training that I've done over the last 15 years since I've been out of the game. It's not as though I've said, you know, man, I got to put this work in so, so that I can get signed someday. And then that can make me feel whole and, and make this all worthwhile. And if that doesn't happen, man, I've wasted all this time. I do it because I love it. I, lo- I love throwing a baseball. I love the challenge of all this. And, um, you know, and I think that's what some people that have reached out to me and said, you know, this is very inspiring to me, have taken from it. And I hope, I hope that people take the inspiration is not just, you know, if I, if when this comes through and I, and I do sign with a team that, okay, it's inspiring that he, um, got signed by a team. I think, I think the inspiration should also be, I think it's inspiring that he just kept following his heart and doing what he loved. And uh, the fact that he ended up getting signed by a team, man, that's, that's the ultimate, that's the icing on the cake. And how cool is that? And I think by getting signed by a team, I'll be able to maybe affect more people in a positive way. Cause uh, I've always said that's, that's the, I don't think there's any greater gift you can give to people than inspiration. And that's why every season when I coached little league, you know, I would see a lot of these coaches, they'd hand out different, uh, you know, certificates or awards or trophies to their team. And I think like a lot of us, a lot of us don't know where a lot of those certificates are or those awards or those trophies, you know? Um, but what I do remember from being a little kid is I remember words that coaches gave me words that adults gave me that were really impactful. So what I'll do to end one of every one of my seasons is I will go through player by player and point out what I value in that player and what I, what I saw as, you know, positive in that player and what to build on and how you can improve. And, um, and you could see the players light up and that's something that they're going to be able to take with them the rest of their lives. And no matter what, you know, flood, hurricane, whatever, they're not going to, they're never going to lose that. That's going to be inside of them versus, you know, a trophy or something that could get thrown in the garbage or washed away. Um, I think that, you know, giving, giving people hope and helping others, that's, that's really the most rewarding thing to be totally honest with this whole thing. And the, the getting signed by a major league part would be personally satisfying, gratifying for me. Um, but I think greater than that is if, if, if I were to do that, I think it could, it could reach even more people because that, that really is what motivates me. Love that. That's great. Great stuff, Dave. I mean, uh, and, uh, great questions. It brought out the best in Rob there and, um, great stuff from you, Rob, of course. Thank you. 
You give us, uh, you know, giving everybody a lot to think about, so we won't go any any more heavy questions because it's been a lot of a lot of good stuff. Just a couple quick things from me. Um, uh, you, uh, the Scouts dinner. You went to the New York Pro Scouts uh, dinner. What was that like? Recently, oh, it was a great experience, and I and I love the uh, I love the message that they had at the dinner. I mean, it was very well run, and obviously, anytime you're in a room with a bunch of baseball guys, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you, you, within seconds, you're, you're both, even if you've never met each other within seconds, you're both mentioning somebody that you both knew or played with, or, you know, somebody that, that, um, you know, my dad played with, or the, the scout that signed my dad, you know, it was, it was really fun in that regard. Uh, I got to see my, one of my old college coaches and spend some time with him. He was the one that invited me to it. And, uh, that was, that was of course a lot of fun. But again, the message that they had the whole night about keeping the human element in the game from the scouting side and also from the uh, writer's side, they actually touched on that quite a bit, too. Um, I thought that was that's something that's important to get out there. And, and, they, and I think they really delivered that. And it was nice to see a big room full of people that were all on board with that. Yeah, exactly. And plus, with your Fordham background, obviously, I mean, there was a lot of connections there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ed Randall was the one that emceed the whole thing. Um, he's a Fordham guy. So I got to meet him for the first time. Uh, he has a real, uh, he had a real powerful inspirational, um, plug for, um, for prostate cancer that, um, you know, he's, he's going to be playing catch on, on, um, Super Bowl Sunday to help promote awareness for that. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was just a really great night. I got to see, uh, listen to, um, Matt Hyde from the Yankees, he received an award and then they had a player from the Yankees who, uh, um, you know, did a great job answering questions and you could see the players really got a good head on his shoulders. And um, it was just, a, it was a really, really fun time, the whole thing. Yeah. And I think that's a, you know, that's a great lesson too, that, um, you know, you, you can't just do this in a vacuum, do it in a, you know, a, you know, whether it's a, Baseball academy, uh, you know, backyard uh, bullpen. Baseball is a game of connections, and I think that's one thing major league teams have lost a lot of. It's it's so much individual work now that they don't do much teamwork, except for the teams that win championships, like the the Rangers. So, you know, Bochi does that. That's why I knew he was going to be a success. He he just blew every away. Of course, so many. So many people still not doing it right, so that that's a great advantage for the Rangers. And the other thing I want to ask you real quick, uh, um, just give us, just so people know, give us your raw numbers because you know we never really asked that. But your your height, size, and and you know the pitches you have and what you throw and uh, the speed you've been hitting. Yeah, so I'm uh, six foot, six one, two hundred pounds. Um, I throw a four seam fastball, two seam fastball, and a slider. Uh, my fastball has been clocked as high as 101. I um, probably, when I'm at my peak during the season, will be in the high, low, uh, excuse me, mid to high 90s with my four seam. Um, and my two seams got up to 96, 97. Slider um, at its peak is upper 80s. Um, it's got a sharp, sharp break to it. Um, and yeah, and I and I and I feel like I've I've got good command and and. I think part of that is having a, a good delivery that, that allows me to be consistent with it and, and, you know, find that, find the release point to, to get the ball to go where I want it to go. And it seems too, just from the video I've seen, 
and you also do gymnastics and things like that. So you, you are in great shape. Um, your ball has movement to it. It's not just one of these uh, flat line, uh, you know, speed balls, so to speak. Yeah, no, it does. It's got some good, good life to it. The four seams got that, you know, appearance of rising. The, uh, the two seams got some good hard downward run and sink to it. Um, and the slider bites basically opposite the two seam. So they, they pair really well together. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, you know, I value that. I think that, that obviously we know that, you know, one, one of the things the Oakland A's taught us very early on is the five elements of pitching, you know, effective velocity, change of speed, movement, late life and command. And, uh, you know, it really takes, it takes all of those things to be a great major league pitcher. So I've kind of kept that in, in my psyche that, you know, we've got to make sure we're working on all those things. And, and where did, who was teaching that philosophy out there when you were there way back when? Well, I mean, uh, Keith Littman was our um, um, minor league coordinator. So, um, I, you know, I, I guess maybe it stemmed from him. Ron Romanic was our, uh, our pitching coordinator in the minor leagues. He was excellent. I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from Nardi Contreras when I was with the Yankees. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Britt, Britt Burns when I was with the Astros. So I had some really great guys that, um, you know, shared a lot of, wisdom and, and, and all different stuff too. I mean, you know, and, and being with three organizations that all were in different markets and had to go about trying to win in different ways was really interesting to me. And, um, you know, I, I, I try to absorb all that information. And I think, uh, I think one of the benefits now is I've had some time to absorb that information and really try it out and test it out and apply it and, think about it was sometimes when, once you're in it, um, you know, you, you've, there's a, there's an absorbing of information and, and taking in of information, but then the application sometimes takes a little bit of time and you'll take maybe sometimes a step backward before you take three steps forward. And when you're in the middle of a season, sometimes you can't take that step backward. you got to keep plowing away and, you know, you're maybe not as, um, willing to make adjustments and change big, big changes anyway. Yeah, it's life. You know, you got to yeah. you got to deal with life so that you got you got a chance to think about it. Yes. Along exactly. those lines too, I um I know you told me the story when we wrote about it in in December, but uh when you were at the Yankees, there was a, a superstar came down for a um I guess a rehab assignment. Uh Yeah. T- tell everyone that story. Yeah, so I mean, when I was with the Yankees in 2008, I I got a chance to play with Alex Rodriguez, with Jorge Posada, with Hideki Matsui, there was quite a few guys that were on rehab assignments. Um, but the one guy that I, I mean, he, as far as, you know, being able to relay knowledge and um, you could genuinely tell this guy wanted to help the younger players out uh, was Alex Rodriguez. Um, so he, you know, the Yankees had kind of told us, listen, when he comes down, cause you know, he was a superstar they said, um, I don't want, you know, we don't want you guys going up to him and bothering them. And so we were all very respectful of that. So he, the one day he, he brought us into a, uh, like a film room and just did like a little uh, seminar for all the minor leaguers that were down there. And I mean, he went on for probably half an hour, just, just sharing wisdom with us. So afterwards we are outside grabbing food and he and I are next to each other. So I just, you know, introduced myself to him and thanked him for his words. And uh, he started talking to me like and, and really took an interest. So I said, you know what, if he's talking to me, then I'll, uh, you know, I'll ask him some questions. And, and he he took about 25 minutes talking with me personally about 
mindset about, uh, you know, because at the time I was a late inning reliever. That was always my role in pro ball, late inning, you know, closer setup. And he talked to me a lot about Mariano Rivera and the, uh, you know, what he did to, to get himself prepared and the aura that he had around him. And, and that was really cool. The fact that he talked to me for 20, 25 minutes, but the really cool part was he was there for a couple of weeks. And again, I didn't want to take advantage where, you know, he talked to me one day and now I'm going to go up to him every day. I said hello to him and, and acknowledged him, but about, I want to say a week and a half later, um, I'm walking out and I, and I said hello to him. And uh, he says to me, he goes, how's that stuff going that we were working on the other day? <laughs> and I thought that was really cool that he actually remembered talking to me. And at the, at the time, I'd only been with the Yankees for, I think, less than a month. So it's not as though I'd been in the organization where he'd seen me in spring training. And, right. You didn't have a relationship, life. right? I didn't have a relationship, but he he remembered talking to me about it and actually had a an interest in that. And, and I've always taken that with me now as an instructor that, um, you know, I, I, I see kids and I know, I know what their struggles are as players. I know what their positive points are as players. And I think that they can see that, that I care about that. And, I, and that when I, you know, see them out in public and, and talk to them, that they, they realize that, Hey, coach, coach Rob knows who I am. It's not just, you know, I'm not just another number going through his academy. And, you know, Alex really, uh, you know, was impactful with me with doing that. Well, that's why I've always gotten along with A-Rod. And, uh, you know, he, he certainly made his mistakes, but he also was – he's great to talk baseball with. He knows the game inside and out. I think he's really um, – I know he has a lot of uh, high-profile you know, profile jobs now, but I really think – and this, you know, I think he'd be a great GM. And um, I agree. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where we get GMs who actually know baseball, but uh, I'm hoping we do get back to that. And um, finally, um, and, and we'll, we'll sign off. We'll let Dave sign off after this. But when, when you do get signed, or and you you know you're going to be you know somebody's going to sign you. It'd be crazy not to. And you know you'll be somewhere in spring training working, and uh, there'll be some media come up to you. All, all I ask is that when you do. Tell your story. You mentioned uh, my story from Ball Nine, and and absolutely a plug because uh, we're um, you know we're not major media, but we try to tell the story that people want to hear. And uh, the more people will hear your story from that perspective, and also obviously with this this podcast, I think they, they they'll feel better about themselves. And uh, you know, and and this is what baseball should be. It should be these kind of stories. So congratulations to you to get to this point. Yes, thank you. It goes. And uh, with that, Dave, uh, you can take us away. Well, Rob, thanks so much for sharing your story with us today. And my pleasure. Really, it's uh, I know it was enjoyable for myself and, and Kevin, but I think we have an audience of 65,000 that's going to eat this up. So we appreciate you just opening up and, and giving us an inside view of it. And to Kevin, thanks so much for what you do for the sports world. Obviously, you, you uh, wrote a phenomenal piece on Rob. Uh, and, and just continue to champion his cause. And t- you are necessary. I'll just say that. And not just in the baseball world, the athletic world, but with what you do, you're bringing human. You may be the only human writer left right now. So keep keep doing what you're doing. And you certainly bring the human aspect out of our, our guests as well. So we appreciate what our resident Hall of Famer does. To our audience, make sure you keep supporting us uh, on the podcast. 
We have Jaw Bats as our newest sponsors, uh, the newest certified bat in Major League Baseball. RVG at checkout will get you a discount on a great maple bat. I told you Tanner's using his, the M110. Fry hit a double in spring training, so he's he's excited about his. Uh, to our two podcast awards, we're, we're excited to be up for those. We'll keep you posted on that as well. And to our marketing partner, Millions, we appreciate the, the newest venture with Real Voices of the Game, specifically Coach and Kernan here. Um, so thank you again. And Rob and Kevin, thanks so much. Great show today. Thanks, guys.